All right. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And uh, I hope you had a good week this week. Uh, excited uh, for where we're going. We're going to be uh, studying the Gospel of John today. As soon as the ushers are done, they're going to come back off for a Bible this morning. We're going to be in chapter 13 and, and kind of start from there. We're, we're going to begin a, a new short little series. We got real creative with a title. It's just called The Holy Spirit. All right. Um, we, uh, we, we're excited about what God's doing. We're going to kind of lead up to the day of Pentecost, which is May the 20th. Uh, it's 50 days after the Passover, and so we're going to be studying, digging a little deeper on that subject. Uh, while these guys are taking the offering, uh, let me just give you some heads up on some things. Uh, next, not this Sunday, but uh, next Sunday, we are going to be having a memorial for Alan King. Uh, Alan was uh, kind of a lay pastor on our staff. He's been a volunteer for a number of years in our adult education with our ordination, uh, kind of a pouring into our, uh, our, our community pastor's lives. Anyway, we lost Alan a week ago, and we've been praying for Mona and for his daughter Taylor and the whole family. We're going to celebrate his life next Sunday at 2 p.m. here in the auditorium. Uh, so just tuck that away. I know many of you have been asking about that, and so we, we finally uh, got the, the details there. So keep them in your prayers. Um, let me just, can I pass on to you a personal request? Um, this week my wife is back uh, in Indiana. My daughter Allie, uh, she's my number two daughter, and her and my other daughter Anna make up the, the music group, Atlanta Story, and so Allie uses her voice uh, to, to praise the Lord and sing for the Lord, and she had a surgery on Thursday on her thyroid. Um, uh, they, there was a nodule they found. They didn't know what the status of it was. They said, we wouldn't know until we got in for the surgery. Uh, they did that on Thursday, and they took off half of the, the thyroid, and, and they thought that they'd be able to do a biopsy during the surgery, but there was, it was inconclusive. And so now it's going to be another week before we find out you know, whether or not it's cancerous. And if it was, then they'd go and remove the whole thyroid. This is kind of a big deal for her because not only the impact that the thyroid, and some of you have been through that, and I know it's just, it's just not, not an easy deal, but, but just the impact on her voice and her vocal cords and things like that. Could you just keep her in your prayers? Annette was back there and, and kind of um, walking through that. And then daughter number three, Anna, is, uh, is, is due with her first baby uh, in just a couple of weeks, all right? And so they, they just found out on Friday that she may be a little further along than we thought. So Annette might just stay back there and the timing on all that is interesting. So I'm kind of on, on call a little bit, you know, to, to, to leave on short notice if, if things kind of kick into gear. So anyway, just a number of things, just some small things like that that are going on in our world. And I appreciate your prayers, really do. Um, the Lord is good, and uh, it's exciting to be a part of uh, what he's doing. And today, we just really need to call upon his name, to depend upon him for his spirit, as we're going to be talking about to just instruct us and to guide us into the truth that he has. So let's just pause a moment, uh, take it to him and pray and ask him to, um, to just speak to our hearts today. Can we do it? Lord, you know, it's so good to be able to cast all of our cares upon you. And I know a lot of the folks today are maybe walking through some challenges, some difficulties in their own world. This can take all kinds of forms and, and uh, manners. It can be financial, it can be relational, it can be health-wise. And the, the good news is, Lord, that every single thing that we walk through matters to you. You are a heavenly Father, and you are a good, good Father. You take care of us. Uh, you, you give us the resources that we need. You strengthen us. You give us power uh, in times, Lord, when we're weak. 
And so we just trust you, God, for whatever our needs are today, that we can cast our cares upon you and know that we don't have to be anxious anymore, but because we lay them at your feet, we can trust, Lord, that you're, you're going to take care of those. We pray, Lord, for our own hearts as we open your word up. We do so with anticipation, with faith, to believe that you're gonna speak to us through this same word and that it's gonna change us. There's something today in the next few minutes that is going to be spoken that you, you are going to use to get our attention and to uh, perhaps change some area of our life to adjust to a little bit more of the likeness of your son, Jesus. And that's what we anticipate, that's what we look forward to, and that's what we pray, because we do so in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles. We're looking at John chapter 13 to start with today. I, um, I kind of begin, I got to tell you about something just happened a few days ago. Um, I, I had been uh, on a, a study break and I've been studying like for 10, 12 hours or whatever. And so I was just kind of wanting to clear my mind out a little bit later in the evening. And I like Westerns, all right? I don't know if I've told you that or not, but I just like old Westerns. There was a Western on, and, and I just started watching it. It was not like on a movie channel, but it was the kind that still had the commercials. And I don't usually like to watch commercials. I'll, I'll go through them, but, but this time I didn't have any, ch- uh, any choice, so I had to watch this commercial. I couldn't believe it. Now, I gotta tell you this. I, I do not typically disparage uh, ministries or, or TV evangelists or things like that. You don't, I don't, if you know me, I don't do that very often. This time, it just really upset me. This guy got on, and I'm going to mention him by name, Peter Popoff, and he, he started touting the miracle spring water, and if you get this miracle spring water, he said, you, this is, this, I'm quoting now, this is your point of contact for the miracle that you need, and I'm serious, it says, now in a new larger size. <laughs> I'm serious. I saw this. And then there were these quick uh, testimonies, you know, that, uh, boy, I got the miracle spring water and I got a $25,000 check in the mail the next day. I'm serious. And one then said, you know, some, something about their health and boy, everything just, just came, came together. And then somebody, oh, I got $100,000 and I was able to pay off my mortgage because I got this, the miracle spring water. And I just was heart sick and I thought, if this is what folks are watching, and this is, this is their only impression of the church or, or of the ministry or, or of the things of God. What are they left with? And I felt so embarrassed. I'm, I, I just have to tell you, I was so embarrassed. And here's why I bring this up. is because if I was to tell you this morning that I could tell you and share with you the secret of all truth, that you could discover the joy even in your times of trials and of loneliness and of failure and of rejection and grief and despair, if I told you today that I could show you the the path toward realizing divine guidance in your times of confusion, if there was a way that, that we could tap into fruitfulness and productivity in our life beyond what you could imagine, and that you could thrive even when the world comes against you, and that there is a power, a a, a real power, that can transform your life and your relationships and your health and and your, uh, your understanding, all these things. If I told you that, would I sound a little bit like Peter Popoff? 
And you see, my instinct is to back off of that and not tell you that, and yet here's the truth. That's exactly what the Lord has promised you, and it's all from one source. You know what the source is? The Holy Spirit. And, and really, as we look, we're gonna cover everything I just said over the next few weeks because it's all found in three chapters in the Gospel of John. And we're gonna dig in there, and you're gonna discover this. All that has been made available to us. And so what bothers me is, is when I see this other stuff floating around there, my tendency is to back away and, and to maybe diminish that excitement and the enthusiasm to the promises that Jesus has made, but I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. We're gonna dive into it and we are going to see exactly what it is that the Lord has for us. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna string it along any longer. I'm gonna take you right to the source, all right? I wanna begin to lay for you the background, the context of which uh, Jesus is going to share this, okay? I know many of you were with us the past few months uh, as we looked at Jesus' life, his story through the Gospels, and I mentioned to you that what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend a little bit more time uh, in this, this setting because the teaching is probably some of the most powerful, the most potent teaching of everything Jesus ever said. It happens in the upper room, and it's in the final hours of Jesus' earthly life with his disciples, and I want to take you there uh, this morning. I want you to travel there in, most of you know the upper room as the time where the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper was, uh, was observed, but John records this teaching that Jesus does in preparation for uh, his departure. So if you're looking at your notes, that's the first thing I wanted to take you to is this preparation. And I want you to pick up in, <clears throat> in, uh, in chapter 13, and I want to start with uh, verse 31. It says, when he had gone out, uh, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, I want to pause there. These guys hear, the, hear these words of Jesus, and it, it really takes them back. And think about this. Up to this point, almost, well, probably over three years have gone by, and Jesus has called them initially to come and follow him, right? And, and that's exactly what they did. And for these three years, they've gone everywhere where Jesus has gone. They were with him, as the scripture says. They were with him. And that's part of disciple-making, isn't it? Is to be with the, the ones that you're, you're pouring into. Well, now he says, I'm going someplace and you cannot come. I don't know that he said or implied anything like this up to this point, so this really caught them off guard. And they're wondering, what in the world is he, is he talking about? Now, he talks about a new commandment and the love that he's expecting from them to love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. But then John, he kind of slips back over here because have you ever been in a, a room or a meeting or something like that and something is shared and, and then they kind of move on but yet everybody's stuck back over here uh, of what was shared and, and you're kind of thinking, wow, that's what, you know that's what's on everybody's mind. 
That's how John is recording this episode. And he records that Peter, Simon Peter, look at verse 36, said to the Lord, Lord, where are you going? He, did, he, he didn't hear anything about the command that he just gave. He's still stuck on here. I'm going someplace and you can't come. Lord, where are you going? And to no one's surprise, it's Peter, right, that, that is mentioning this. Peter's kind of the, the leader of the group. He, he's, he's the one that usually would say or talk or speak first. I think most groups have somebody like that. Can you agree with that? <laughs> most of our groups, you know, we, we've got you know, those that are just maybe a little more inclined to, to respond. And Peter says, where are you going? And Jesus reaffirms what he just says. He says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Now get into Peter's mind here with me for a moment. Peter's thinking, wow, I followed him everywhere. I, I've gone everywhere. I, I've been a good and faithful follower of Jesus. I, wa- I wonder if Jesus is, is questioning my devotion to him my allegiance to him. Maybe in the back of his mind, he's feeling the need to reaffirm that devotion. That's probably why he says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. You get, you understand the context here? And then Jesus does what I say, drops a bombshell. He drops a bombshell in the midst of all these guys And he says, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Before the morning comes, you're going to deny that you even know me. It's just a bombshell in the room. And as these guys are watching and listening to this, they're watching that their leader, this, this courageous Peter, if he, listen to this, guys, if he can do this, what does that say about the rest of us? If Peter, kind of our unspoken leader here, if he's going to deny the Lord, how suspect are each one of us at this point? And, and there's a lot of agitation in the room. There is a lot of anxiety in the room right about this point. I have, uh, when I read this again this week, I was thinking just the last few days, uh, a high-profile pastor has just uh, resigned in a cloud of suspicion about moral behavior. Uh, Bill Hybels from the Willow Creek Community Church. 42 years of ministry, that church. I remember meeting Bill back in 1987 and watched the journey. I've followed this journey over these years, and I can't tell you countless messages that I've heard. They started what's called the Leadership uh, Summit, where hundreds of thousands of leaders have, have been led in, in, in spiritual leadership. And Bill probably, amongst all of these leaders, have, has touted, you know, uh, moral purity and standing upright. They've talked about the Billy Graham rule, that you don't have anybody of uh, the opposite sex in, in, in your rooms, you know, by yourself. You know, you just follow these... these um, kind of precepts, and, and, and yet that, all of that has come under suspicion in his own uh, actions. And under this cloud, he, he's resigned after 42 years. And it just breaks my heart, you know? I just stop and I think, yeah, I mean, guys, he's, he's a man like the rest of us. I understand that. 
But what do I, as, a, as a fellow pastor and have been on this journey for 30, 35 years, what, what do I do as an onlooker, kind of like the disciples onlooking, you know, Peter over here, what, what do I take from that? I'll tell you what I take from it. You better watch out. You better be on guard. You better, you better make sure that you don't take anything for granted because there is an enemy out here that is seeking to devour us, isn't he? He wants to destroy. He wants to undermine whatever he can do. And I, uh, you pray for me because I, I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong wherever that is and whatever that looks like. I do not want to take anything for granted. But yet there's something here. There's a truth here that as, as Peter now has just been told, you're going to deny that you even know me before the, the rooster crows. I don't think Jesus was doing this in a condemning sort of way. It was just kind of a factual way. This is what's going to happen. And in our flesh, that's what happens. We are weak in our flesh. Even a little later in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said just that, didn't he? He said, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. It is. Be on guard. So they watch this, this bombshell. Now, Jesus, knowing what's going on in the room, he knows exactly the emotions that are swirling around right now. That's where John 14, the next chapter, and by the way, the chapters are there for us, you know. It wasn't the way that it was originally written out. It's just for our, our reference. So the very next words he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You think their heart was troubled? Absolutely in light of that. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Some of your versions would say mansions. It's where we get the great old gospel hymn. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, right? I know when I first read this many years ago, I thought Jesus had this carpenter's belt on. And that he was up there right now, you know, and hammering nails and getting my mansion all put together and everything until I really looked in and understood that when he said, in my father's house are many rooms, if it weren't so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And so what he's essentially telling them is, guys, I'm getting ready to go to prepare a place. Like I said, I, I used to think it was going up to heaven and, and putting the nails in, in, in the mansion and getting it all. He was saying that in a few hours, I'm going to the cross. And I'm going to do on that cross what only I can do as the sinless sacrifice that's going to purchase them your pardon and, and make a way so that you can be where I am. They didn't have a clue that he was talking about that, but now we, when we look back, that's what he's saying. The preparation was the cross that he was about to go to. And so now he's sharing with these guys, they're just trying to sort all this out. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus says, Philip, don't you know by now, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A little earlier, Thomas says, well, how can we know the way? You're telling us that there's this way. How are we going to know the way? And he says, Thomas, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. So I'm sharing this with you guys because he's bringing the comfort of these words. Don't let your heart be troubled. And, and then he also brings, thirdly, the assurance that where he's going, what he's doing is going to provide the way so that we can be where he is at. 
He's going somewhere. We're not able to come with him now, but he's going to go and make sure that, that where he's at, that we can get there. And that, that's essentially the cross. That's the assurance. But now that, that lays a backdrop for, for the, the rest of this teaching. And in my opinion, it's kind of summed up in the verse. I believe it's verse 16, isn't it? The top of your note there, is it 16 or 18? Verse 18. He's tapping into what's going on in their minds and their hearts right now because they're feeling like they're going to be abandoned. They're feeling like he's leaving them and they're not prepared for this. Uh, he's going someplace they can't follow. They're, they're just kind of feeling this sense they're going to be all alone. And this is why he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you that way. But here's, what I, here's, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's about to unfold for you. And that's when he ushers us into the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it gets pretty exciting, doesn't it? This is about what's to happen. And that's, that's what we want to understand when we feel like perhaps that we're alone or, or abandoned. I will not leave you as orphans, but here's what's about to happen. Verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's going to be a word and a phrase. That little two-letter in is a real important phrase that we're going to see throughout um, this study. He describes him as the helper. Uh, Some versions will say the comforter. The, the Greek word there is the word parakletos, okay? Parakletos. Whenever you see para in the Greek, it means along, alongside of. And that's what he's describing. The paraclete is one who comes alongside of you. Sometimes the idea of the advocate is used. He, he's there like a, like a lawyer, all right, that is, that is coming alongside of you to defend you or your case. That's, that's a paraclete. Um, he's a comforter. He, he's an encourager. He's a counselor. Uh, th- that's the idea that is wrapped up. And, he, and Jesus is using that to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the first word. And then he says he's also the spirit of truth. And he will come to share uh, with us. Now, if, we, if we're living with these guys and, and we're trying to put ourselves in their situation and Jesus has just told us, I'm going someplace, you can't go, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send you something better, better than, than you know, my physical presence. And this is going to be the spirit, the spirit of truth. Uh, I, I kind of thought, in fact, until just recently, I thought, man, this all was just news to these guys. They didn't have a clue. They were, you know, as we've followed them the last few weeks in particular, you guys remember how many times Jesus would say things and they just didn't grasp it? They didn't uh, comprehend what he was saying? When he talked about going to Jerusalem and dying and all this, he said he told them flat out, just overtly, he said, this is what's going to happen, and yet they didn't have a clue. And I kind of applied that here, but here's, here's the deal. I think in the Jewish mind, this would not have been a totally new concept or expectation or hope that they would have had. If you go back to Joel, uh, one of the little minor gospels, or gospels, minor prophets back in the Old Testament, 
I, uh, I didn't get the, I, we, we didn't get the phrase right. I'm going to read it for you. But Joel chapter 2, here's what it said. He said, and it will come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even your servants, even upon your servants, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Now, this is a promise the Jews who understood the scriptures would have kind of held on to that. So this wasn't a totally new concept for them that the Spirit would come and be poured out. Uh, There was a time even further back in the time of Moses when God took the Spirit off of Moses and he spread it to the 70 elders. In fact, Joshua was kind of upset and said, tell them to stop. They were all prophesying because they had received that Spirit. Tell them to stop. And Moses said, you know what? I wish all of them would have that Spirit. So there was a little foretaste even back then And then Joel now later is promising, this is going to happen. This is going to be poured out. And we know that that's what he's referring to because Peter, on the day of Pentecost, if you you go upwards to there in Acts chapter 2, he says, this is what what is uttered through the prophet Joel. This is exactly what what God was promising. Okay? And they, they they did understand that. I think Jesus uh, had hinted toward this even before the upper room experience, over in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, he said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, that's well before all of this is transpiring. So, so they've had these hints. But for this morning and for the time that we have left together, I would like us to wrap around a question, uh, and it's simply this. How is it that, that the Holy Spirit could be preferred to the physical presence of Jesus in their lives? How is it that the Holy Spirit coming to us could actually be preferred to Jesus being right there with them in the flesh? You know, he repeatedly said, he said, you guys have seen me, you've been with me, but blessed are those who believe and have not, you know, seen what you've seen and been right here. How is that? I think there are two things, two factors that he's going to share with us that is going to reaffirm why the Spirit coming is superior to even his physical presence, all right? Here's the first one. Here's what Jesus says in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Okay? And so I would put the headline there that that he's telling us we are going to have power, his power, here on earth. Okay? Um, You know, as I read that phrase, I mean, think about that again. The works he says that I have done, you're going to do, and even greater works. Can I ask you an honest question? Don't don't say it out loud, but in your heart of hearts, as those words come out, is there a little bit of us that recoils when we hear that, when we're thinking, oh, wow, he he couldn't be talking about me. (laughs) I mean, he's talking to disciples, right, to the apostles, to the special ones that were called out. He's not talking about, about us, right? 
Well, here's a clue. Did you see where he said the word whoever believes in me? He did not say you guys and only you guys. He said whoever. And how many of us here this morning are part of the whoever? If you don't agree that that's your whoever, then let's go to John 3.16 and it says whoever puts their trust in Jesus Christ has eternal life. That's a whoever we've all claimed, right? Because it's whoever, right? Whoever in the world that would put their trust and their belief. The same whoever. Whoever believes in me, he's saying, is going to do these works. And not just these works, but greater works. Now how can they be greater than Jesus? Here's why, because he goes to the Father, he's gonna send the Spirit that is going to dwell within whoever believes, and that's a lot, lot of whoever's, right? <laughs> Potentially. And so now this power, all this life and everything is not encompassed in one physical body, Jesus. Now that is spread to all of the, we call it the church, of those who are surrendered, those who have been uh, touched and, and have been filled by his spirit. Now that same work is working through them. And that's where the greater is. I just think it's greater in capacity. It is greater in scope than it ever had been or could be because it was limited. Now it's gonna be spread throughout. That's, that's the dynamic he's describing there to them. And I think it's contingent on the second thing this morning. Not only do you have power that is here on earth, but there is a power he's implying that you're gonna have in heaven. We call it prayer. And he's saying some pretty bold statements because he goes on right in the next verse, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. And uh, if you look down at verse uh, 16 of chapter 15, he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. If there's one thing I want you to take away today, it's the answer to this question. Do you really believe when Jesus said whoever, that he meant whoever? And do you really believe that when Jesus said whatever, whatever you ask in my name, do you really believe he meant whatever you ask? Do you really believe that? Now, if you're like me, I read those, those great kind of almost like carte blanche statements of prayer. And friends, this is not isolated. This isn't an isolated promise. There's at least six of these in this section of scripture uh, that we're, we're looking at. Okay, six times he's just enforcing, reinforcing, saying, listen, if you trust me and if you believe in me, I'm gonna talk to the Father on your behalf. Whatever you ask, I'm gonna, the Father's gonna be doing this. Okay. When I look at that and I think, okay, why do we tend to doubt so much in our prayers? Why, why, why does the reality of this not always seem to translate the way that Jesus seems to be presenting this? And as I wrestled with this and I wrapped, wrapped my heart around this and I thought, what, what's the clue? What's the key here? I, I don't know. You, you can press back on this if you want and you can argue with me if you want, but I, this is my suspicion 
I think that this was intended, these promises here were intended for people who are part of the kingdom work. All of this is given so that we can carry out the work of the kingdom. And if we're not interested in doing the work in the kingdom, why would we ever need these promises of power and of prayer and of, and of, of, of the Lord do, doing the work? It's when we're out on the front lines, when we're calling upon the Lord for these kinds of, of requests and needs, and when we're trusting him, when we place ourselves in situations where if God didn't show up, it isn't gonna happen, and we know that, and yet by faith we're stepping out there, and that's the moment when we're saying, Lord, I'm believing that it is you at work in my heart and my life that is doing this. I'm, and Lord, this is what I'm asking. This is, this, is, this is what I'm calling upon your name for because we are a conduit of his spirit working through us. And when we see these needs, we've got to depend upon him. But if we're just taking a posture of safety and we're not even leaning on him at all, why would we ever call upon his name for those kinds of requests? and seeing them answered the way that he promised. That's just a suspicion. I think when he gave that, he gave some conditions. And there are some conditions. Let me, let me point some of these out in chapter 15. He said in verse seven of chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you, you wish and it will be done for you. So what's a condition? That we remain connected to the vine. It's our first priority here at North Shore. We've just even identified that as our core value. Nothing else can happen if we're not connected to the vine, can it? We've got to be connected uh, to the source of that power and remain in that place. If we're disconnected, then we're going to see the consequent results. uh, I'm just sitting there thinking last night, I got to my office uh, in the early afternoon, and some, sometimes I don't look at my emails, uh, you know, because I just don't want to get derailed, you know, and sometimes that happens. Last night, I couldn't resist the temptation, and I opened this email from a guy that, uh, that reached out after 30-plus years that was in our congregation in Bellingham. This would be back in the 80s. And I remembered, I just started putting the pieces together, and I remembered just the distress he went through. He went through one of the worst, ugliest divorces I'd ever seen. There were accusations that were made. Couldn't see his children. And, and it, just, it just was heartbreaking to watch. And, uh, and not too long after that, we went to the next chapter, church in Florida, and I, I just hadn't been in touch with him for probably 30 years. He wrote to me this week. And he filled in the last 30 years, basically. And he said himself, he said it so wiped him out that he didn't really want anything to do with God. And for probably the last 28 years, he's been separated from that relationship. And at the same time, that separation, I saw all of this heartache. And he, I mean, it was paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of just heartache. And, and, and distress. And he said, just in the last, last year or two, he's come back to the Lord and, and the difference. And I just, I just thought about that. Friends, if we don't stay connected to the vine, there, there is just not good things that are gonna happen. 
There's not going to be a fruitfulness. There's not going to be the joy. There's not going to be the peace. All of the benefits that we described at the start, it's just not going to be something inherent in our hearts or our lives. And it's a head-scratcher of why people stay in that position and why they, why they, get, they get disconnected that way. It's just heartbreaking. But man, that's really fresh. When I'm, I'm reading that and I'm thinking about that, and, and yet on the other side, if we do stay connected, look at the promise that he's saying. You can call upon me. You can ask me for whatever, whatever. I think a second thing that he points out is that, that these requests are for the glory of God. I think it's really clear that these are not just selfish indulgences we're talking about making a request. It's when we're at work for the kingdom. It's when, it's when we understand we're an instrument of the Lord and, the, and the, the places and the people and the influences that we have, we're bringing Christ into that. And in those moments when we come up against challenges and resistance or whatever, we can call upon Jesus in those moments and he's gonna show up. He's gonna do things that only he can do because we know it's for the glory of God. And that's our desire, isn't it? It's that God be glorified in this. And uh, I think the last thing is, and he says this repeatedly, if you do this in my name, in my name, and everything that that name has come to mean to us. Don't, don't you love when we worship the Lord and just sing about the beautiful name of Jesus? But friends, everything we're talking, all all the resources and the power and everything are encompassed in the name of Jesus. I can't help but think, you know, about a dad, me being a dad, and I've raised my four children, and Annette and I have, have very specifically and consciously chose to incrementally wean them off, uh, you know, of, the, of, of our, the necessity for, for us to take care of things. The big thing is the credit card, right? And, and, you know, that's kind of the last thing to go because we say, you know, if you get in a fix, you get in an emergency or whatever, you, you've, got our, you've got our card, and my name's on that card. Now, now, chances are if their name was on that card, it wouldn't get them very far, right, at a certain stage. But because my name is on that card, it represents my resources, and, and they know that, and, and that, that's what I want them to know. And I always think about that because I think that's how your Father in heaven is saying to you, all of the resources that have come to bear of the Father are in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the one on the card. It's not our power, it's not our strength, it's not our resource, it's his. That's when we have the confidence to know when I get out there on the edge and I don't know where else to turn, I know I can turn to him and he has the resources, amen? amen. He is right there and he will show up. That's what you can be assured of. So today, as, as we just contemplate, what, what is Jesus trying to tell these guys? He's telling them, number one, you guys aren't gonna be alone. Something even better than my physical presence is gonna come to you. And when he comes, there's going to be this extraordinary, this immeasurable, this, this amazing power that's going to accompany you for the work that you're doing here on earth, but you're also going to have a confidence and assurance and a power in heaven as you pray and as you seek and as you uh, present those requests to your heavenly Father. And I wonder today, does that promise mean anything to you today? Did you walk in the room today with something very practical, very, 
very personal that you're struggling with, where have you turned? Whose door have you knocked on? Have you gone to the Lord with that and laid that at his feet? He said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Man, I walk through this so often. This week, as I started off, I shared, you know, got some very personal um, concern. Man, I was on Thursday, man. I would tell you, I was just watching and waiting to hear when my daughter got out of surgery. And when they said they don't, they don't know for sure, I was frustrated because I thought, okay, we're going to finally know, know something. And now they've just kind of prolonged it for another week, another week of just dependence. And I don't like that. Do you like that? You know, and yet it keeps us in that, that position of trusting and depending on him. And that's not a bad place to be. Would you agree? It's a good place. And sometimes he allows things to, to leave us in that place. So wherever you're at today, just know this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the promises he just made to those guys in the upper room, this is a promise he wants us to understand. And this is just the beginning you come back next week, and we're going to start, start digging down in how do we really appropriate that? How does he instruct us in how we're going to appropriate all those promises, okay? So stick with us on this. Let me pray for you today, and we're going to trust it to the Lord. We're going to invite our worship team to come and close us. Let's stand together, and uh, I want to pray for you and with you. And as we just calmly bow before the Lord and consider what he is saying to us, just hear the voice of Jesus. He's in this room right now. Just as we sang earlier, his presence is here. And he wants to bring all of that to bear upon your life. Let's just, let's just pause before him. Lord, as we, uh, as we humbly bow before you, we just thank you for the promises that you give us. Jesus, in moments where maybe we're inclined to, to trust in ourself or, or what the world offers or, or just... Um, just anything but you. I, I just pray that, that we will hear your voice so clearly, your love that draws us even closer than we could imagine. Thank you, Jesus, for the brother, for the sister here that walked into the doors to say, that today and they walked in with a burden that was on their, their shoulders. Maybe it was health or uh, financial. Maybe there's a relationship, Lord, that, that's not where they, they would like it to be or where it should be. Lord, maybe there, there is some, uh, some temptation they've fallen into, perhaps even addiction, a habit they just can't break. Lord, this is what life throws at us, and this is, this is the walk that we're all part of. And yet you have given us promises, abundant promises, that your power is greater. And when that power resides within us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we stand on that truth today. We're going to trust you that, that you're going to do this work inside of us and that, that that's what's going to unfold uh, even outwardly through what we do, what we say, uh, the ministries we carry out. This is what we're trusting you for. Just begin to guide us in this path that we will draw from you everything that you've got and we... Um, we will give you all the praise and, and all the glory because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing these words.